Welcome back to the Letter of Romans. I hope you have been encouraged this Christmas. May I offer a special welcome for anyone that this Christmas has been an opportunity to connect for the first time, perhaps reconnect with us at North Pine Baptist. Welcome. And welcome to the last day of 2017. Let's jump straight into it. Here's my one-sentence summary of Romans so far. The many-sentence recording of our teaching series through Romans, it can be found online at our website. Here's my one-sentence summary. Can we grab that slideshow up? Not quite. That's all right. I'll let them sort that out. This is my one-sentence summary, suspense built. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Roman talks a lot about sin, a lot about God's gracious offering of eternal life that is restored relationship with God forever. Thank you. All and only because of the work of Jesus Christ, who we just celebrated the birth of this Christmas. Trust Jesus as your master for the gracious gift of forgiveness and freedom from sin. And trust Jesus as your master for the gracious gift of forgiveness and freedom from sin. And your eternity has been changed from death to life with God. Romans contains wonderful, life-transforming news. And our passage today from Romans seeks to dig deeper into the life-transforming, this life-transforming news. It explores the relationship between sin and grace. This passage challenges us to consider the relationship between sin and grace. Look with me at Romans 6.15. Paul preempts a question regarding how our sin and God's grace relates. Who has ever attempted to explain what you believed to be a simple game to grade five boys? Any parent or one of our extreme youth leaders knows the experience. You clearly lay down the activity, the rules, the boundaries, the objective. You're ready to start to signal the start of the game. Then, if you're lucky, a hand goes up. More likely, just a voice calls out. And then suddenly this this whole plethora of different possible exceptions to the rule, every possible loophole of the game, they all flood forth. It's like being cross-examined in court. I've always found that grade five boys have a knack for picking holes in any explanation. Paul, as he expounds in Romans the depravity of sin and the wonders of grace, wants to make sure that we have absolute clarity. The relationship between our sin and God's grace needs to be clearly expressed. Verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Does God's grace give us freedom to sin. 
It's a similar but different angle on the previous preempted question regarding grace and sin in the earlier half of chapter 6. And the implicit follow-on question from Paul's exposition on sin and grace is, what is our motivation for holy living? This isn't an academic question. It's, it's practical living. Without wider consideration, it's not difficult to want to conclude that if God's grace provides forgiveness from sin through Jesus, if the fear and punishment of sin is taken away by Jesus, why bother with all this effort of trying to seek to live according to God's design for us? Grace appears to cover all the consequences for sin, right? So does God's grace give freedom to sin and remove motivation to live life according to God's design for us? Paul's answer is a big no, 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 by no means no. Grace is not freedom to sin. Grace is freedom from sin. Grace is the freedom from enslavement of sin and is the offer to take God as our master, as we were designed. Who has seen the movie The Minions? The premise of the movie is quite simple. The Minions are searching for a master. We are designed by God like Minions. We are always searching for a master. God designed us to worship him as a rightful creator and master. And just like the minions, with great hilarity, the absence of a master causes us to seek out a substitute. Humanity's collective rejection of God has led us, in our separation from our true master, to put in the place of our creator and master all manner of things from creation, that were never designed to replace God. Our misuse of our and creation's design results in enslavement to things never designed to be our master. In verse 21, Paul calls us to consider what benefits we reaped from our enslavement to sin. Shame, impurity, ever-increasing wickedness, ultimately death, Eternal separation from God, a rejected true master. This is the course of enslavement to sin. But Paul offers redemptive news. We, like minions, aren't designed to be a slave to a master. But in ancient Rome, slavery had multiple origins. A slave could be the loot of war, captured and sold off, sold off into slavery. And the children of that slave would continue to be the property of the master. In a way, this kind of describes our relationship with sin. We, like the child of the slave, are each born into slavery to sin. But there was a second type of slavery. Volunteer slavery provided a means of social welfare. A freedman in debt or destitute could become a slave as a means of survival. They would be housed and fed, and some would even raised to considerable power and influence, while still the property of their master. 
Volunteer slavery would be the salvation of many from a trajectory of impending death to a restored life under a good master. We must be careful not to project that on the slavery of the Roman period, the horror of the plantation slavery, of the plantation slave trade of the 19th and 18th century fought by William Wilberforce. They're just two different periods of time. Look with me closely at verse 16. Do you not know that if you present, NRV has offers, I think it's a helpful choice of word. Do you not know that if you offer yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? While we are all born into slavery to sin, God's grace through Jesus provides us with a choice. We can offer ourselves to slavery to sin or to obedience to God. Be warned. The choice of one is always the rejection of the other. We can and only will serve one master. Grace is the offer that you can choose God as our master instead of sin. And with this foundation, do you see how preposterous, how utterly false it is to conclude that grace provides freedom to sin? Grace is the freedom from sin, from the enslavement of sin, so that you can choose God as your master. Paul then expounds the benefit of our self-surrendering to God as our master, possible only because of God's grace. This self-surrendering obedience to God leads to righteousness, a redeemed and being restored relationship with God. Look with me at verses 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. In North Point Baptist Church annual report this year, it was noted that no new conversions were known to the church leadership. Now the reason that conversion excites the church is because conversion is the transfer of someone from slavery to sin to God. This is not just a, a new person joining a club. This is the life-redeeming work of God. This is the miracle that God has rescued a person from the jaws of eternal death into life forever with God because of the power of God's grace. I want to be part of a church that thanks God for lives transformed by God's grace amongst us. Starting with God's grace, continuing to transform me. I want to see the power of God's grace at work in my life. And in this church. And I need to see God's great at work, grace at work, to enjoy freedom from sin. I want God's teaching in the Bible, to which I and we claim allegiance, to be plain for everyone to see. It's a prayer, help me God to fill my heart, not just with not my head my heart, not just my head with your teaching. Transform me from the inside out. 
Now, this passage, it uses the language of slavery to sin and slavery to God. Who has felt a little awkward by this terminology, by this language? Paul does give us one concession. Verses 19 to 20. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once presented, once presented your members as slaves to impurity and in lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. The language of slavery was the best example Paul had on hand to explain the relationship between grace and sin. The language of master and slave guards against falsely believing grace allows freedom to sin. Grace is freedom from sin and the freedom to return to God as our master. For God's grace is also the power behind sanctification. Big word, it's our continued transformation back into God's design for us. Without God's continued grace, we are stuck in our enslavement to sin. We need to be continually placing ourselves in the pathway of God's grace. And our need for grace never diminishes. The Christian who has been sitting in the church for 40 years or the pastor preaching at the front needs God's grace no less than anyone hearing it of the first time today. Paul rams homes these points while trying, while acknowledging that he's trying to describe a world-changing, life-transforming work of God using a limited example from everyday life. And from the second half of verse 19 onwards, Paul calls us to reflect, to consider the fruit, what was produced by your slavery to sin. And what fruit, what is produced by your slavery to God. So I've done a lot of talking. Now you get to take over. Today is the last day of 2017. And here's a wise practice to regularly establish a pattern of reflection in your life. A new year provides us with an opportunity for such reflection. I ask you to think over 2017 and respond in your heart to these three questions. And I challenge you to commit, commit how your heart responds to paper. Externalize it in some manner. So here are the three questions. We're actually going to have about seven minutes of time of reflection. Now, time of reflection doesn't mean quiet time. Often the best way I reflect is in noise. So if you've got kids, don't worry, it's okay. Um, if there's someone next to you who can help you reflect, have a chat with them. But respond to these three questions. In 2017, how have you participated in slavery to sin? In 2017, how have you participated in slavery to God? And how will you, in 2018, participate in God's grace 
to receive forgiveness and freedom from sin as you pursue a more intimate, faithful relationship with God. I'm going to finish by reading verses 21 to 23, and then we're going to have about seven minutes of time of reflection, and then the band will come up to lead us in our final song. Verses 21 to 23. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord seven minutes take time to reflect in your heart with those around you and before God on these three questions thank you